Thank you for joining us today with Your Family Matters with Carla Dedesi. We have had a remarkable couple of hours, and we are just getting started. Mark Griffin has been able to join us in studio all day, but I am going to turn over the floor to him. He is the founder and chief consultant of In His Name Human Resources. He's an authority on Christianity in the workplace. He's passionate about Christians witnessing and sharing what they know with their employees. He believes employees and companies should work closely together to prosper the company for mutual purposes. He recently published How to Build Kingdom-Minded Organizations. He's an author and speaker and an accomplished human resource consultant right here. He's a gem in our backyard. So listen, this is the time for you to call in. We have an expert right here in studio. If you have any questions for him, he is an authority on human resources in the workplace, and he has had a lot of experience with this. So please call in 610-539-TALK, 539-8255. Remember, you can always stream in. How long have you been doing this, Mark? Well, Carla, I've had an incredible career in human resources. I uh, have been actually in the field of human resources for about 25 years. I uh, was able to get a bachelor's degree in human resources uh, administration uh, back in the 80s, uh, late 80s. Got my MBA from uh, Bloomsburg University uh, in the 90s. Took some executive education programs at the University of Michigan to help me as an HR professional. And uh, earlier on throughout my career, I worked for big secular companies like Quaker Oats Company, Merck Pharmaceutical, right here in Lansdale, in fact, uh, Kodak Corporation, Armstrong. And uh, just recently, about three years ago, I launched my human resources firm uh, to support businesses. Excellent. So you're bringing your expertise with all of these big businesses. And for three years, you are teaching that to Christian organizations now. Primarily, our our focus is uh, Christian-owned for-profit companies, also nonprofits and churches. Sometimes they reach out to us. Uh, We're able to bring um, simple solutions to smaller organizations, but with a breadth of experience from much bigger organizations. So from our experiences at Quaker, we we know how to um, put in place a really good recruitment process. Mm. So how do we go in and and understand what the organization's doing? Many companies are suffering right now with recruitment because there's so many people out of work. The conventional wisdom would be, well, there's so many people out of work, we should be able to find good people. Well, actually, it's a little bit more complicated because you have to sort through so many candidates. Interesting. So, in other words, there's some really good candidates, but they have to wade through all of these candidates that you, perhaps are not appropriate. Absolutely. Maybe they don't have the skills, the qualifications. It's amazing. We can run an ad for a customer service rep and put it in a couple different uh, advertising venues and literally get 800 resumes 
in a week's time. So these resumes are coming in from all over the country, and it'll be a customer service rep, but somebody's applying and they're working at a bowling alley. It just it doesn't match up. So, or this person worked in a factory for 20 years and got laid off, and they want to try customer service. So th- there's got to be a way to filter through all the people that are desperately looking for work, and there's a lot of good people, but we really help with the filter, and we also help uh, train the companies on how to interview, how to do it appropriately, how to ask the tough questions, and how to find people that are going to be aligned to the goals and the mission and vision and values of that company. Do you work with these companies a little bit on identifying their values and their goals? You know what, Carla? That's usually the first step that we take. When a client comes to us and they say, hey, we need help with human resources, we're really suffering in a variety of areas, we step in and we do a human resource assessment to understand what they're doing. It's, it's about 10 pages. It's pretty lengthy. And then we sit down with the client and we say, okay, here's what you're doing really good. Here's where you're not doing things real well. And a lot of times what we find is there's misalignment. Maybe they don't have a mission. Maybe they don't have a vision. And maybe they don't have values. And I'm going to tell you, the companies that have strong values, strong mission and visions succeed because employees and Americans want to succeed. Mm-hmm. They want to come to work and do a great job. Mm-hmm. There's false information out there that unions and laziness and all that, that's garbage to me. I think what we have is a lack of leadership in the United States that we can't ignite people to live for a common vision and purpose. I agree with you. I think that once upon a time, unions were a positive thing, but today I believe they breed mediocrity. And of course, that's not what America is about. No, we are no. about. And they can. They, they, they can. There are there there are some exceptions. Of course, I, I have worked with some unions in the past that uh, we were able to do great things because they they understood. Uh, that we couldn't pay certain wages to add jobs. And they understood technology was important. So it's the progressive thinking unions that are going to do well for their employers. Excellent. So share with us a little bit about your book. Can we find information in this book? And how has your book been received? The, the book has been received so well. I, I get calls and uh, emails and Facebook notifications and LinkedIn notifications. It, it just blows me away how well received the book has has been. I'm speaking in Dallas, Texas in April to a very large conference, the Christian Leadership Alliance, to talk about the book. Um, I've had several other speaking engagements to talk about the book. But most importantly, I think it, it's encouragement to that business owner that says, you know what, I'm a Christ follower, and I'm not going to deny that. How can I bridge that into my workplace? We know Chick-fil-A does it. Yes, and very successful. And very successful, and uh, and we know Hobby Lobby does it. Very successfully. We know the good people at Conestoga Wood Specialties does it. Yes. And they're in the news with what's going on with Obamacare. So there's successful organizations that, that do it. And that's where we step in. That's where we're experts. Having worked in HR for so many years, I know what you can do and what you can't do. So that really was the the propelling reason for me to write the book. Let me tell you why I'm so inspired and excited about your ministry. You know, when we are in the church or discussing things with our pastors, it's always, you know, 
maybe your children will be missionaries or maybe they'll be pastors. And I grew up, my father was a businessman and I saw him live out his Christian faith every day with his Christian contacts. And we talked a little bit about CBMC, which is here in Philadelphia, the Christian Businessmen's Committee. And my husband happens to be a doctor and he's very involved with CMDS. And it makes me think about the song that I sang as a child, which is be a missionary every day. Tell the Lord, tell the world that Jesus is the way, be it in a town or country or a busy avenue. You don't have to be a pastor or you a missionary. You don't have to be a pastor. In fact, when you look at it, when Jesus gave the good news that changed the world to the apostles, the apostles didn't quit their jobs and build churches. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't. And that's no offense to ministries or pastors. I, I think that's definitely a part that we need to have. And, and people need the church community and they need the teaching and the discipleship programs. But in reality, everybody has to go to work every day. Yes, and we have more opportunities because I am the plumber. I am the roofer. You know, I have all of my roofer friends that I can talk to or all of my doctor friends or all of my business friends. So for all of our families who are listening, how can they be a witness in their business? It, it, it's not very difficult. And many people ask me this on, on what can I do and what can I do? And I, I really express upon them the importance of having a mission, vision, and values. Here's what you can do. You can state that your company was founded on biblical principles. That's not illegal. It's not even hardly offensive, but it's factual. Your company was founded on Christian principles because maybe your dad started the company or your great-grandfather started the company, and they were a Christian business person. So really, building in your values is the fact that we are a company founded on biblical principles. There's, There's no denying that you there's nothing to prevent you from saying that. So I encourage that to be built into your values or built into your mission and your vision. I, I really impress upon uh, business owners to include their employees when they're creating their mission and vision and values, that it's not just leadership going away for a retreat and coming back and then pushing the mission, vision, values. Have a good facilitator come in. Uh, have them brainstorm with the hourly employees and the management team and bring commonality to the two brainstorming sessions. Because I'm going to tell you what, a lot of times I've done brainstorming sessions with hourly folks and with the leadership team, and the outcome's the same. Mm-hmm. Now, they would argue that the outcome would be different going mm-hmm. into it, like my leaders don't understand me or the leaders would say the hourly people don't understand me. But at the end of the day, when we're done and we're done brainstorming, it's not hard to reconcile those two. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think you need to get your employees involved in it, and I think you need to be open with employees to say, hey, you know, we, we want to have the statement because it means a lot. You know, in, in Proverbs, it says, without a vision, the people will die. And I think that we can use that with a corporation or a nonprofit. Without a vision, the people will die. It can't just come from leadership. The employees also need to understand what the vision is. Absolutely. One of the finest organizations that I worked for was Quaker Oats Company during the time that we acquired Gatorade. The vision that was created that we were going to be the number one sports drink. We rock and rolled. We, we created a, a $2 billion company very, very quickly because that vision, everybody embraced. They became a part of it, whether they worked in the factory or they were delivering the product. Mark, we're going to finish there. Please join us. Come back and please call in. Thank you.
We're in studio today with Your Family Matters. I'm Carla Tedesi. Thank you for joining us. And we have Mark Griffin with us, of the founder and chief consultant for In His Name Human Resources. He is an expert in bringing um, his human resource uh, expertise, 25 years of experience, um, to, our, uh, to our organizations here. And we need you to call in. We'd like to hear from you, 610-539-TALK, 610-539-8255. Ask Mark your questions about your businesses, about your nonprofits, how to work them more efficiently to give glory and honor to Jesus Christ, really, right? Yes, absolutely. So can we talk a little bit about nonprofits? Sure. Um, do you use the same principles that you same use? Same principles the- absolutely fit within nonprofits. Okay, so getting a tight mission statement, a core mission statement, making sure that everyone's on board with that. Is so paramount to their success. And I would say most nonprofits don't do this. So there's, uh, there, there's a, a lot of, um, there's not focus on, on the mission clarity. It becomes gray or, or, or they go down rabbit trails when mm-hmm. if they have a mission, a vision and a values, they can keep all the volunteers focused. Mm-hmm. They can keep people ignited and engaged. Mm-hmm. And how does prayer or Bible reading or anything else come into this? Well, many of those things are uh, aspects that grow out of the employee relations uh, programs. We talk about um over five or six different points of integration in our book. We talk about getting your mission and vision and values into your handbook, into your recruitment, into performance review processes, always ensuring that it's in the front of job descriptions. That's that that's really important. Nice. Your training and development programs should all all be reflective of your mission, vision, values. But what you're talking about really is communication processes or employee relations programs. And many times, uh, great organizations put some programs in place that aren't uh, led by management, aren't uh, required that employees attend, but just are programs that help employees that might need some help. Can you tell us a little bit about your use of social media for these businesses? It's constantly evolving and changing. Facebook, Twitter. Sure. Social media uh, can be, uh, some people look at social media as being a problem. Because I, b- because it 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 is so um, it opens up what people are involved in, and many companies get fearful of it, and they well I don't want my employees on social media. They mm-hmm. they look at it from a negative perspective. Like it's going to be a time consumer, a time in a consumer bad way. in a bad way, or they might say the wrong thing to customers, and then a thousand people just saw that, and you can't take it see back. It. And, and I, I look at it differently. I, I look at if we treat people like adults, we set boundaries, 
and we let them know that social media can be a tool to help grow and prosper the company and that they all have a dog in the fight because mm-hmm. they do. They, they want prosperity for the company as well. Mm-hmm. Then people will reflect that, they respect it, and they use social media for good. Hey, look, if I didn't embrace social media three years ago when I launched my firm, I wouldn't have went out to Wisconsin last week to a brand new client that is a Christian-owned pharmaceutical company, that I had no idea about them. They had no idea about me, but they found us through social media. Okay. So I think organizations shouldn't be afraid of it. They should set limits. They should have policy. They should discuss it. But I think the more we embrace social media for good, the better off the organization's going to be. And it's free. It's free. It's We're absolutely promoting free. ourselves for free. For, for somebody to go into Google and type Christian Human Resources Help, and we indexed to number one, two, and three in the return, that was free. Now, we had a strategy around developing that, and it did take some time, but essentially that marketing is free. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about, have you been invited to churches? Do you go into the churches? Because I know that, I mean, this might be a fun thing to do for a Sunday school class or a small group or... Uh, a lot of times it's business people that are associated with churches okay. uh, that, that we're going start some roundtable discussions. We've done uh, training seminars through churches, through ministry networks. Um, we, we do a lot of training around LinkedIn uh, because our LinkedIn has been so successful for our company. And there's a lot of people, especially folks in ministry and churches, that are afraid of LinkedIn. And again, if you embrace it and you have your voice and you project that voice through LinkedIn, you can help prosper the organization. So, and we, we have done uh, consulting work with churches, some, some fast-growing uh, urban churches that needed some help maybe in around recruitment. Maybe they didn't know how to recruit. Around basic policies, procedures, uh, we help out. It sounds like you're helping a lot of people, and I'm sitting here thinking that I need your help with Julia. My Julia book series. Sure. (laughs) We'll talk after. Tell me your best situation. I mean, I'm sure that you've walked into companies that you think, where do I put my hands first? What do I need to do here? It's a mess. Do you have any really great success stories? I have incredible success stories, and I can usually tell pretty quickly after spending time with clients when we do the human resource assessment, I know that they're going to be successful as they engage with us. But I also can determine, are they going to be successful quickly or is this going to be something that takes a long time? And and a lot of times it has to do with maybe baggage uh, that the leadership has. It could also be because they're second generation, third generation, fourth generation business owners. Uh, And each generation, it gets more difficult to lead the organization because they're farther and farther away from that foundation of the founders. And my grandfather used to say that he started the family business, and he said that the founder, the grandfather, would start with the T-shirt on. And then my father, you know, worked hard because he saw his father work so hard. But then that third generation, his grandkids are back to T-shirts because they never watched the hard work that it took. They never did. He would say T-shirts to T-shirts. And hopefully that doesn't happen to your family business. Hopefully you instill in future generations that you don't become the vice president or president immediately. You have to work driving the truck. And you have to be guided. And I I met with a business owner. There's about 650 employees. Uh, She's getting ready to hand it off to her sons that are in their 40s. And, and, and her greatest fear is that the company's going to lose 
its reference point when it comes to Christianity. She's mm. a, a believer. Her her father was a believer that started the business. So I encouraged her now more than ever is the time that they need mission, vision, values. They need to memorialize it. They need to say what the reference point is. And she needs to set it up in a situation where the boys know this is the way the company is going to be led. When you hand it off to your children, this is how how it's going to be led. So it doesn't lose and turn secular um, on the family. In one generation. And, and it very well could if you don't set that foundation in right. writing that this is what this business stands for. And that expectation. Yes. What happens? How long do you pour your time, energy, and effort into a company if you see someone who is resistant, who thinks, oh, who's this guy? He doesn't, you know, he hasn't worked in this business. He doesn't sure. understand the ins and outs of it. Well, like I said, it all depends on the company, and we can usually tell pretty quickly how quick we can turn around their situation. Um, some companies, it can go very quickly. And then that allows us not to have to do so much work for them long term. Mm -hmm. Other companies, it doesn't come so quick and it takes even longer. Um, our, our commitments with organizations are always a minimum of two years. So Really? Yeah, okay, because I was going to ask no, you, what is a uh, yeah, realistic time? And Carla, we're, we're absolutely choosy on who we're going to do work with. So mm -hmm. we, we have limited resources, so we're not going to be all things to all people. We're mm -hmm. not an organization that you come to and you need a handbook, and we mm -hmm. crank a handbook out. That's not the type of work that we do. Mm -hmm. we, we create long-term business partner relationships mm -hmm that we can help coach, mentor, and get that organization moving in the right direction, hopefully developing relationships internally so as the company hands off mm -hmm. to other family members, we can be a part of that as well. So we want to know that there's commitments. There has been organizations that we've gone in, we've done the assessment, we've met with them, and, and we've chose, hey, you know what, this probably isn't going to fit. And, and you'd be better off if you went to XYZ Corporation to get your HR consulting. So... We, I have, I have no fear of doing that, and I don't want to be in a relationship that isn't going to be pros, prosperous on both sides. Right, and that's really wise, I think. In three years that you've had your own firm, how many employees do you have? We, we have um, many contractors that work for us. Okay, so that's uh, how yeah, you're doing. Yeah, this. we're we're on a contract. Uh, we have copywriters, editors, uh, graphic design, um, okay. proofreading, clerical support. All, all online because th that type of work is sporadic, but our core programs remain the same. We also have HR managers mm -hmm. that go in and do a lot of the heavy lifting within the corporations that we do uh, HR support for. So if I needed help, you would be the person to come out. You probably wouldn't send someone else out, or you would at least have your hand d involved. Yeah, I always have my hand involved, and I always maintain that relationship with the president, CEO, the owner. But typically, uh, depending on the organization, we step back quite a bit and look at things strategically while the HR team and their, their management team is taking care of the daily issues. Okay. So I get them up and running, and then... Uh, our teams collectively get the company going, uh, no different than a, in another. I was vice president of human resources at an international company before I launched my firm, so it's really no different than that. My relationship with the president CEO is very similar to that of a vice president of HR. We're like a VP of HR for hire. Okay, okay. We will be right back with Mark Griffin, the author of How to Build Kingdom-Minded Organizations, 
please call in 610-539-TALK, 610-539-8255. Paid and how many enrollees were dumped from existing plants. President Obama plans to speak in the Rose Garden later today. Russia's annexation of Crimea condemned as illegal by NATO. In light of this, there can be no business as usual. The alliance chief, Anders Foe Rasmussen, announcing suspension of military and civilian cooperation with Russia. Secretary of State John Kerry attending that NATO meeting in Brussels after shuttling to Jerusalem, trying to keep Midi, trying to keep Mideast peace talks going. But there's a new wrinkle. The Palestinian president just announcing a surprise move to immediately resume trying to win further UN recognition. The first hearing on a delayed GM recall set to begin on Capitol Hill. Corporate executives made a decision that fighting the problem was cheaper and easier than fixing the problem. Laura Christian's daughter was killed in a 2005 crash when her Chevy's airbags didn't deploy, now blamed on the ignition switch problem linked to 13 deaths. The General Motors CEO, Mary Barra, and the acting head of the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration both do before a House subcommittee right now. In her prepared remarks, Barra apologizes and says fixing the cars is only the first step. You're listening to Fox News Radio, fair and balanced. From helping florists manage their first payroll to checking sales projections for logistics companies to showing garages how much they've been paid to pursuing leads for multinationals, Sage Software helps businesses manage. Whether it's accounting, payroll, payments, ERP, or CRM, Sage gives you the control to look forward with confidence. Visit sageconfidence.com. I'm here with Washington, Franklin, and Lincoln to illustrate how Quicken Loans can help you save your money. George, careful, that axe has a very sharp edge. And an edge is what you'll have with a program like Mortgage First. Abe, watch those doorways, you're mighty tall. Another tall order, MyQL, lets you track your loan through every step. Ben, keep that kite out of the wires. Here's a shocker, our 10,000 team members will make your mortgage experience simple. Call 800-QUICKEN or go to quickenloans.com. Equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, NMLS number 3030. Better weather helping at the site of Washington's devastating mudslide. Fox News Radio's Jessica Rosenthal following this live. However, it is still a treacherous search, Lisa. The mud and rain mixed in with debris from homes, and crews are watching out for nails and sewage and chemicals. Staff Sergeant Jose Manguel is helping to search for the remaining victims who might be buried because his 13-year-old son is among them. It hasn't been easy, but just have my faith in God and keep on pushing, pressing on. I know I'm going to find him. And that's pretty much all I'm focused on. Of 27 victims taken to the medical examiner, 19 have been identified. A list of 22 names of the missing was released yesterday, Lisa. Jessica, this hasn't happened in any given month in more than seven years. No U.S. military deaths in Afghanistan in the month of March. American casualties have declined as the number of U.S. forces has grown smaller and their role has shifted away from combat. An activist group in Syria now reporting the number of dead in the three-year civil war 
has topped 150,000. That includes civilians, rebels, and members of the Syrian military. Claims made by a so-called Craigslist killer land her back in court. 19-year-old Miranda Barber showed up in court in Sunbury, Pennsylvania with her feet shackled and wearing an orange jumpsuit. She's accused, along with her 22-year-old husband, of luring a man last fall who answered a Craigslist ad for female companionship. He was later strangled and stabbed, but today's motion hearing was about the chain of custody of recordings of two recent jailhouse interviews to a local newspaper in which Barber admits to killing more than 20 people in a cross-country murder spree over the last six years, apparently as part of a satanic cult leading law enforcement officials from Alaska to North Carolina to look into those claims. Jeff Manasso, Fox News Radio. Wall Street right now, the Dow is up 60 points. I'm Lisa Brady, Fox News Radio. Thank you for joining us. Your Family Matters with Carla Tedeschi here on 1180 AM WFYL. We're fighting for your liberties. WFYL 610-539-TALK 610-539-8255. Mark Griffin has joined us in the studio today sharing with us all of his 25 years of expertise working in human resources in our communities and in our corporations, but now putting all of your talents and gifts specifically into our Christian businesses, Uh, Judeo-Christian businesses. That's right. And nonprofits as well. And nonprofits and some churches. We, We do some church work as well. Uh, when churches call on us. So you were sharing a little bit about your best situations. Can you share the craziest experience that you've had in a workplace? Uh, You know, in the last 25 years, if I looked back at my career when I started in human resources, there was some absurd things that occurred. Uh, But now more than ever, it's just people are have lost a lot of moral compasses. So there's, there's a lot of behaviors that come into the workplace because societally it's it's normal. I mean, if if you turn on the news or you turn on TV and you see what's going on with Miley Cyrus and the Kardashians, and if that's what becomes normal, then people feel like that that's normal in the workplace, and and it's not normal in the workplace, and it shouldn't be accepted. And it's not normal anywhere, Mark. It's it's not normal okay? anywhere. It's not even no. normal. In our school system, it's not normal. It shouldn't on be. television. Yes. It's abnormal behavior, yes, it is. and it's not healthy for our children or society. It's definitely not positive in our workplaces. You know, you have adults who are acting like children. Actually, I, I would discipline my children if they were acting like Miley Cyrus does uh, or like uh, the Kardashians uh, do. Well, exactly, exactly. But remember, earlier today we were talking about how so many children don't have parents. So children are raised, they don't have parents, Um, maybe they're not blessed with going to church to get a moral compass, so they turn on the TV, and what they see on TV to them is normal, And, and, and they become normalized, that becomes normalized behavior to them, so then when they come into the workplace... They feel like they can act upon that. And I'll give you a great example. Uh, a couple years ago, I was working for a company uh, as director of HR, 
and I was walking through the human resources lobby, and there was a young lady sitting in the in, in the lobby waiting to be interviewed by our HR generalist that reported to me. And as I glanced over, the young lady was definitely not appropriately dressed to come in for an interview. So her top was well open; it, it was open, wide open. She had short, um, like a short skirt on. And I'm thinking, wow, we can't allow this to go on. Our HR generalist has to walk this person through the manufacturing area. We, we have conservative people working in the company. And quite frankly, it offended myself. I, I wouldn't want my daughter going out to go to a job interview dressed that way. So I went and I talked to the HR generalist and I said, we, we can't allow this. The, this young lady, she's got to go home. And she approached her and she got all upset and she was crying. And one thing led to another. The three of us ended up in my office and I just explained to her, I said, you know, you, you can't dress that. And, and she she didn't get it. She didn't understand. She's like, my mom dresses this way. And, you know, this is the way that I, I dress. And I'm like, modesty is, is important. And it's important in the workplace because we want people to value you. We want them to value your skills. We want them to value your heart. We don't want them to look at you any any differently. And I think by you dressing this way, you might not understand because you, you just haven't had this information before, but people are going to think poorly of you right off the bat. So why don't and so what happened? She said, Well, would you give me another chance? And I said, Yes, of course. She came back the next day. She was dressed appropriately. We interviewed her. She ends up working in the plant, and she became an incredible employee. And every time I'd stop by, I should say thank you for giving me the opportunity to make a change. You just didn't throw me out of the company. And what I like about this story and that woman's characteristics is that she was teachable. She didn't come in with a chip on her shoulder and say, you're not going to teach me the way that I should dress. She was teachable. And I think that as a mommy of three little girls, I am often saying to them, we dress modestly. We want people to take you seriously. And it's, it's not loving to send our children out with cleavage showing no. or their clothes are way too tight because just as you said, and you're a daddy, they are going to attract the wrong attention without even realizing it. They're and not like even going to realize. These Miley Cyruses and Kim Kardashians, they're teaching our young girls that this is what is hot and this is what is acceptable and this is what beauty is. And I'm trying to teach my three little girls that it's trashy, it's disrespectful. And it's actually not really safe either for no, not safe. a 16-year-old, 17-year-old to walk out looking like that. She's, again, going to attract the, the wrong Well, earlier people. in the segment, we talked to Holly, who was the vic victim of, of, of sex trade, where a predator approached her in the mall. More than likely, she was dressed inappropriately, and he used that as a, hey, you're very attractive, um, you, you could be a model. You could be a model. Said. You could make a lot of money. You could be like Miley Cyrus or mm -hmm. whatever. And he preyed on her, and she was vulnerable. And and what I'm I'm saying is we need to stop that. We need to step up as dads. We need to step up as moms, and we need to close that gap. And I don't think we need to be ashamed by doing that as well. And I know that we're getting off topic here, but I just have to address that, you know, I'm 42 years old, and I have a lot of friends who prize themselves on being cougars. And, you know, they're married. And 
I had friends give me when I turned 40, there was a picture of all of us on there and underneath it said cougars, you know, with our names. And it was cute. It was funny. Ha ha. But I have three little girls that can read and I'm wearing this shirt to bed and my girls are saying, mommy, what's cougars mean? And I'm saying, you know, it's really not a very nice thing. No, it's not. It's- older women... Uh, preying Praying on, on young on, men, on, on young men. Yeah. and getting uh, some kind of self-worth that a 20-year-old finds you irresistible for a night. Yeah. It's weird. It is weird. It, it is weird. But and, people and, think and that this is normal. Is, you know, I read in the paper this morning about a 36-year-old teacher in Arizona who was with a 16-year-old. And it, it and it's the same issue. They're, we're glorifying, saying, hey, well, that's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. And let me tell you, I have my book coming out for children next week. Julia learns how to marry wisely. And one of the reports that I read when I was researching this book is that we have people telling us the same-sex marriage is good. And we have people telling us that polygamy is good. There's the TLC show, Daughters and Wives or something. Sure. and Sister Wives. Thank you. Yes. And I have, I'm not a fan, obviously. And I read something that's called intergenerational relationships because this is the next big thing. It's acceptable for a 50-year-old to fall in love with a 12-year-old little boy or a 50-year-old man to fall in love with a 13-year-old little girl. They're calling it intergenerational relationships. Absolutely not. There's nothing loving about that relationship. There's There's lust going on there. And there's a child that is vulnerable and being taken advantage of. So again, mommies and daddies, if you're listening, just a heads up that if you're not going to protect your children, no one else is going to. So how does this relate to the workplace? Yes, bring us back there. Back to the workplace. We, as Christian business owners, really have an obligation to create an environment where employees feel safe because employees' lives are a mess. They're an absolute mess. When I go into companies and I I do focus groups and I bring hourly employees in, sometimes people just open up, you know, I have a husband that drinks too much or my daughter's running around uh, with a neighbor boy or my son's smoking weed all the time or uh, my dad was abusive. And it's just one issue after another. And, and, And I think, wow, you know, this owner of this business provides the only consistency to those employees because they're a captive audience. They're there 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week. So I look at it as an opportunity to be salt and light, to love your employees, to set reasonable parameters, not be judgmental, not be Bible thumping. We, we definitely don't want to do that. But to say, hey, you know what? I think God has a better plan, and, 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 the, and the plan is Jesus, and, and here's what it's all about. So companies that get ignited over that, that believe in that, really can create a work environment where people come in and they say, you know what? I might not believe this. And this is actually uh, a comment that an employee uh, said. You know, I might not believe in this Jesus guy, but I think it's really cool what you're doing as a company. I want to share with you that when I was an occupational therapist in Center City, I worked at two of the largest hospitals there. I took my work in Christianity and saw every patient that I came into contact with as you're explaining, you know, they were my mission field. So like you said, if a patient was saying to me that uh, they had just been diagnosed with cancer and they only had a few months to live and I was preparing them to go home, 
I would say to them, do you mind if I pray with you? Because I feel like that's really the only thing that I can do with you. I worked in as an occupational therapist for 12 years. I prayed with Muslims. I play, prayed with Judeo-Christian believers. I prayed with atheists. I prayed with anyone. They never said no to no, me. They, nobody will ever say no. And do you know that um, one of these hospitals actually handed out uh, a survey that said, you know, research is showing that people of faith and people who pray have an increased opportunity or chance of healing better. So we would like to think about what do you think of having our employees pray with patients? And I, now this is a secular institution. Now I filled that out and I said, you know what? I do pray with my patients. And let me also encourage our listeners that no one ever told me to stop doing that. I never got in trouble for doing it because the fact is, is that I have freedom of speech. You absolutely do. Okay. But we have to be bold and use that in a non-threatening, non-intrusive way. And um, so my point is, is that I wrote on here that I'm able to pray in Jesus's name because I do believe in Jesus and I do believe in the power of prayer. But how do you teach that to an atheist or how do you teach prayer or spirituality or the power of prayer to somebody. So I actually said, I don't really think it is a good idea to (laughs) institute prayer to kind of have prayer classes to your employees. You you can't institute prayer uh, from a, from, from a, um, it has to flow naturally. It it, it has to, it, it has to flow naturally. And, and, um, it, it, it's just absurd. My husband has opportunity to pray with people all the time and to pray with his employees. And, you know, again, like you're saying, you go into this business and you're supposed to be there for human resources reasons, but you might have employees telling you about a terrible divorce that they're going through. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a great opportunity to say, you know what, this is what's worked for me in my life. Exactly. Jesus Christ. And, and, you know, uh, that, that you make a very good point around divorce and broken relationship and uh, some of the counseling that we give business owners is to talk about strengthening the family, strengthening the marriages of the employees that work for them. If they look at that, if you can engage the entire family with what you have to offer as a company, you're going to do so much better. When, when you have benefit, open enrollment for benefits, bring the family in. You know, just don't have a Christmas party for employees. Bring the family in. Love, love on the whole family. Right. When you get the whole family loving the company, your productivity is going to go up. Your quality is going to go up. Absenteeism. When they have a bad day and they go, go home mm-hmm. and they say, oh, you know, I had a bad. The, the family's going to step in and say, you work for a great employer. Mm-hmm. I know because I've been there. Mm-hmm. That makes a big difference. And promoting strong um, marriages is important because I heard a staggering statistic from our pastor a few weeks ago, that we know that divorce rate for secular couples and divorce rate for Christian couples are almost the same. They're almost at at around 45, 50% marriages fail. But in the relationships where the couple put Christ first and they're active in their church, Mm -hmm. they go to life groups, they have Bible study, the kids are in kid men, and they're actively engaged in building the kingdom, 70% of the marriages prosper and mm-hmm. they stay together mm-hmm. that's no coincidence Mm-mm. because i believe we're called to grow the kingdom mm-hmm. through relationships mm-hmm. and i think 
as business owners share about how important it is to develop uh, marriages, it, it pays dividends back to them. It saddens me when I listen to Christian business owners, at least they say that they're Christian, and they say, but we cannot bring that into our organization. We we separate that. Which to me is absurd. Absurd. And, it, and it's cowardly. And 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 I left I left that 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 type of religion many years ago. You you can't practice something on Sunday and then go to work on Monday and say it's different. No, you can't compartmentalize Christ. You can't. You you can't. And I I, I think many many religions, uh, different denominations have in, have created that environment that only the pastor can speak or only the priest can speak. And when I discovered, when I became a believer about nine or 10 years ago, when I discovered that I could have a relationship and it was outside of the pastor or the priest or whatever, it opened up my heart to understand what it is to have a relationship and what it is to live out my faith every day, not just on Sundays. Give you purpose. Give you purposes, right. Which I think that, again, going back to our Christian uh, employers and going back to our Christian CEOs, God has placed them there for such a time as this. They have. Right? Okay. And it's a responsibility. So they're, they're not in Haiti. They're, they're not, not Haiti. you know. That's right. God has placed them wherever they are to be a voice and to be his hands and feet. That's right. And you're really on a cutting edge ministry here. It, exactly. Where you it's, can it's, encourage. It's workplace uh, ministry because everybody's at work. And you can encourage them. And if we can even, I know that they're enduring a lot of persecution, our Christian CEOs. Sure. We look at Hobby Lobby. We look at um, Carol, I forget the person's name of Chick-fil-A. Sure. But um, these are people who are not just Christians on Sundays. They are saying things like it's best for our families to have a mommy and a daddy in the house. Or it's best for our families to not work on Sundays. Just take six days. Sure. And it's they should be the model for our corporations across America. But instead, our president and his administration are persecuting them. Yeah, and they, they get attacked. Right now. And they're standing up for their beliefs, though. Right. And I believe in the end they will be rewarded. I agree with you. They will, either in this lifetime, yes, definitely in the next. They will. And their children, their grandchildren that are watching them, um, they're going to be blessed they by will what be blessed. their grandfathers are doing and standing up for what is right, what is biblically right, and for truth. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. If you want to call in 610-539-TALK, this is your opportunity to ask Mark Griffin your questions about your nonprofit or about your uh, business. Perhaps you want to start a business. Perhaps you're, you're enthralled in one. You can ask him social networking questions. Um, ask him how to lower absenteeism in your corporation, get higher quality products out. I mean, these are all benefits of your services, right? Absolutely. Okay. We, we, we offer a host of, of uh services to clients and we we serve uh we have one client that has a few employees uh 15 employees and what's the largest you've worked with hundreds okay. i mean hundreds if not into the thousands so there's so nothing too small or there's too nothing large too small or too large uh we've we've served clients in brooklyn new york uh we've served clients all the way west to uh stevens point wisconsin so okay so uh, you're national yeah we're national do you do any international you know my my hr background is in international i've done human resource work in Amsterdam, um, Central America, China, India, 
every province in Canada. So I do have the international background. I don't know where the Lord's going to take us from from a consulting uh, perspective. They could, you know, we could ultimately end up doing work for some other clients in, in other countries. And uh, we're certainly resourced to be able to do that. And we would be excited to do it. Now, we have an incredible amount of uh, followers on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn from all over the world. Um, we have a lot of followers from um, Australia, a lot of folks from London, uh, plenty of folks from Amsterdam. Uh, we have uh, Chinese, Fil Filipinos, uh, all that are interested in learning more about Christianity in the workplace and how to live out their faith in the workplace and how to be a faithful servant of the Lord in the workplace. So sometimes it's not just um, the business owners that are following us, but I get a lot of uh, employees of companies that go, wow, I'd love to work for a company that's Christian-owned because I know that they're at least trying to do things to make it a better place. It's not utopia. It's still work. Mm -hmm. it's, you're not on vacation when you and go in And none of us are day. perfect. But at least there's that sense of we own up when we make mistakes. We try to do things correctly, and we, and we try to uh, move things forward together. <laughs> In our last few minutes here, is there anything else that you want to tell us about your organization before I would like you to share just really quickly your experience in the Dominican? Oh, sure. Uh, around Because it ties in with, I think, Holly's story. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I can wrap up the business uh, aspect. You know, when the Lord put on my heart a couple years ago uh, to launch this human resource consulting company, um, it, it wasn't easy. Uh, I definitely was called by the Lord to launch this organization, and I really struggled. It, it was very difficult for me because I really had to let go and step out in faith to start a company in the middle of the worst economy in the history of the world. And some of my friends, quite frankly, thought I lost my mind. They said, you're going to start uh, a human resource consulting company, not only a human resource consulting company, but a Christian-based consulting company, and step out. And I said, yeah, I feel the Lord calling me to do this. And I had many prayer partners around me that put their arms around me and prayed through this. And then, of course, my beautiful wife, she was the greatest advocate of it. She named it in his name, HR. She said, we need to be outward with the faith. We found the domain, and then we grew the business, our voice to be Christianity, human resources, the, the authority. You know, we strugg I, I struggled. I won't lie. I did struggle with doing this because I had to jump out and do something where I knew there would be no income. Imagine doing very well, you know, executive of a company, doing real well, great great compensation, getting ready to send a daughter off to college, and all of a sudden you're going to launch things. Well, I launched it, and I, and I, I did a faith walk, and it really wasn't for about seven or eight months that I finally got clients, developed the relationship, and, and, and prosperity just poured in. And at the same time, I gave back. I had a wise pastor tell me when I was so excited and I said to him, wow, I got a client and I got the check in and this is great. I'm actually, this is actually working. And he looked me in the eyes and he said, don't forget to tithe. That's right. And I said, well, I got to look at it at the end of the year. I got to see if I made money. He said, no, you need to tithe, brother. So I made a commitment. I went home and I said, yeah, we need to tithe. And she said, well, let's just do 10%. I said, well, okay, let's do 10% of every check that comes in, regardless of the expenses. So that, that piece I wanted to share with your viewers or, or uh, your listeners, 
that when you give back to the kingdom, mm-hmm. you, you, you get back in return. You really do. My, my, my father always said you cannot outgive God. You can't outgive God. So we've done that. That's, it's all his. It's all his. And that's been our fo- Every time we get excited, we're like, what ministry can we give to? What other church group can we give to? And we're just giving, giving, giving this money out. So that's one thing that I wanted to share. But, you know, one thing that I, I missed that I'm seeing revelation now from God is the fact that I was so busy as a corporate executive, Mm -hmm. 70, 80 hours a week. I I, I didn't have enough time with my wife. I didn't have enough time with my daughter. Now I'm able to go all over the world, do ministry trips while maintaining my business, by maintaining the relationships, by growing my business, by not missing anything out with my clients. I've been to the Ukraine, Zaporozhia, done business development there. I've been to the Dominican Republic, where I have a heart and my family has a heart to do mission work in the Dominican Republic. Well, let me just conclude with this. You know, um, I'm just thinking about J.C. Penney's when that started, quite, you know, 100 years ago, I think. They were actually known as the do unto others, the golden rule. That was, it wasn't called J.C. Penney's. The golden rule the golden sat rule. across sure. all yep. of their. So it used to be that many, all of our organizations back in the 1800s, 1900s, abided by these Judeo-Christian principles and abided by these Ten Commandments. Now our Christian organizations, you know, we're not really a Christian society anymore. No. We, we don't know what that means. We have to get back to it's okay to do unto others as you would have them do That's unto right. you. And what does that really mean and what does that really look like? So I am going to thank you so much for being with us here today. This was so much fun. Thank you for energy here. Yeah, so much. Thank you for talking with Holly with us and uh, Gary Bauer. And we talked to the PA Dutch Convention. This was an amazing, you know, your family matters. Hope to see you next time. Have a good April Fool's. Foster. A milestone at the deadline reported for the Affordable Care Act. White House spokesman Jay Carney. We surpassed the 7 million mark with the over 200,000 people who enrolled yesterday in states run by the federal government alone. President Obama speaks at 415 Eastern. There's still a question of how many of those 7 million have actually paid.